0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday the 3rd of May, 2023. And coming up today, we're going to learn all about a new
0: tool that could help blind people learn Braille. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Well, hello, Sean Priest. I don't I'm know sorry. where that
1: came from.
2: Am I suddenly in America?
1: I actually well, turned my head to the left, and then I thought, oh, my head is not in front of the microphone, so I better, in, you know, bellow. Yeah. Bello. Welcome! That, yeah. was, that was beautiful. I feel so welcomed. Hello, how are you, Stephen? I'm good, I'm good. We're talking today about a product which is uh, just launching on Kickstarter today. And it's called the Braille Doodle. Now, I say for blind people. The truth is it's actually for blind kids. But as always, I am doing my advocacy bit for humanity. You can thank me later um, because I think this should be for everybody. And uh, I'll get into that with the developer. It's always a fight. Every time I always get into (sighs) a really interesting conversation, we end up in an argument. No, I'm only kidding. No argument here. No arguments. Actually, a really, really cool conversation. We're going to be talking with the the man behind the project, uh, the Braille Doodle, which you might have heard about. Uh, it was launched on a Kickstarter before, uh, but they're wanting to develop further, so they're relaunching it on Kickstarter. Re-kicking. And we'll, yeah. kicking Yeah, re-kicking uh, today. So it kicks off today on, uh, on oh. Kickstarter. So we'll get uh, all the latest on that coming up in the next segment. But... Um, before that, big news! Big news! Is this big news? Can we use Breaking this? News. Breaking news! Breaking news! I don't know. Yes, I don't yeah. know. Got well. me with this one, but okay. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, have shut down the Halo division and continued <gasps> or discontinued all devices. Wow! I, I don't even remember what the Halo was. Can you give me well, some
2: info on that?
1: You know why that is, right? Because we didn't get it here in the UK. It was one of those yes. products that arrived mm-hmm. in the US, lasted for about five seconds, and then it. Died. (laughs) Lovely. What a great story.
2: So (laughs) uplifting. Okay, so this is all to do with fitness, right?
1: This is their health-focused Halo division. Um, They've decided to shutter. Amazon have stopped selling its three Halo products and plans to lay off portions of the Halo team. That's never great (sighs) news. Uh, It's uh, Melissa Cha, who's Amazon's VP of Smart Home and Health, told staffers in an email obtained by The Verge, we have made the difficult decision to wind down the Halo program, which will result in roll- reductions she says uh, more recently halo has faced significant headwinds including an increasingly crowded segment and an uncertain economic environment although our customers love many aspects of halo we must prioritize resources and maximize benefits to customers and the long-term health of the business i like what she did there health of the business that's very clever I and mean, be actually better if they just wrapped a big halo around amazon uh, just oh. to see if it's doing okay it's a smile, isn't it? Isn't there a smile on all the boxes, the A to the Z? Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. It's, it's now a frown. It? Upside, it's, it's, it's just, <laughs> just, just turned a, a frown. turned that smile
2: upside down. It's <laughs> just a big frown nowadays. Oh, exactly. Look, okay. You know me. I'm usually the voice of reason, right? I've got to say, what is going on with Amazon? We Every time there was an Amazon event, there were so many new devices, right? They had the ring, the frames, that helicopter video camera thing, uh, the halo, the, the robot trundling around after you. Mm-hmm. And we always said, oh, man, this is such a good event because you never know what you're going to get. They just seem to pile it on. But isn't that the danger, though? Because it's all well and good saying, you know, it's a crowded market. It was a very limited release they did of the Halo. Yeah. As you said, it never came over here. It really didn't have a chance, did it? No. I, I think that Amazon now are really starting to starting to struggle. And as we've seen and as we've reported on before, the big tech and the cuts um, in staff is across the board. But I think they've stretched themselves really thin with their product line. And I think it's coming back to um, to bite them now.
1: Although I'm a bit confused by this because it says in this article, which has only just been posted, that the Halo View was available earlier this month while both the Band and the Rise were available last week. Now, I don't even know, know me- what
2: they are. And I'm a huge Amazon Smart Products fan. Now, I don't the know band, what they
1: are. The Band was kind of like, think of like an Apple Watch, I guess. Um, you know, but it had all the fitness. I think probably more Fitbit, I would Fitbit, say. Fitbit, yeah. yeah, it's yeah bit okay. I, I had heard it. of the Band, yes. And the Rise, was that not the, the lamp that sat beside your bed? Oh, utterly. Uh, yes.
2: I've had so many of those sad lamps in the time seasonal. What is it? Seasonal. Something my, my lamp is so sad; older. it won't even turn on. That's yeah. how
1: it is. So <laughs> depressed.
2: It's meant to mimic the sunrise, natural sunrise. They're terrible; they don't work. That's rubbish. Actually, uh, I'm not a medical person. These no, opinions, I, aren't I will my
1: say. Own. I mean, I I kind of get into it a little bit at the beginning because if you remember, ages ago, I told you the story about buying a $99 Philips
3: wellness yes. lamp,
1: yes, which basically just turned out to be. Any old lamp with a Philips bulb in it. That's all it was. And they sell it as this big thing. And it's there's nothing smart about the lamp at all. It's just mm-hmm. the bulb that's smart. So you could just yep. buy the bulb for $20, stick it in any lamp, and you've got the same result. Because yep. it's all in the app, right? It's all about the app control. So you, you go into the app, and you can choose this. And we tried it a couple of times. In a few mornings, it would come on, and the light would start coming up. And I don't, it didn't really do anything for me. Of because Of course
2: it didn't. You're asleep. It's, it's utter not,
1: yeah. in my opinion, it's utter I, Maybe nonsense. it works for some people. It d- d- did nothing for me. It just, <sighs> it just woke me up and I, I kind of get irritated by it. And yeah. of course, the funny thing was, I remember at the time, and this is, again, a lot of the challenges with this is, it's in the detail. So we had set this up. We were getting up in the morning. My wife was leaving for work about 6 a.m. So she would want to be up about 4.35. Wow. And so we'd set it so that it would start the light coming up around 4.15. And that was fine, but she would only be in the office like three days a week. So on the Thursday, say, for example, the day she wasn't in, <laughs> you'd be waking up at four o'clock <laughs> with the this cones. blooming light. And, and all the lights, all the blinds are closed, all the curtains are closed, <laughs> and this bright sunlight is in the room. And you're like, oh, turn that off, Lady a. And back to sleep. and I like, But pulling covers. this bright
2: sunlight. No, it's not. It's like having a light turned on. It's not the same.
1: It's, it, it's, it's just... not, no, it's not. Anyway. Actually, just as you're saying, this, I'm I'm closing my blinds because I get yes. so impacted by light, it's unbelievable. the light.
2: Yeah, it's I funny, as an RPR back in the day, every light in my home was a fluorescent tube
1: and you turn it on <laughs> it's like you're in heaven. It was just <laughs> stunning streaming bright white lights. That's what I needed. But It is weird sometimes I come into the office, I sit in here sometimes and I, there was a period when, you know, I go through these, these, I've just realized it's just part of the deal. I have no idea why, but I go through these periods where I just need no light at all. And then you have that thing where you need a little bit of light, but really not a lot. So yes. you're constantly adjusting the light all the time. Uh huh. And yep. there was one occasion I remember, like a week had gone by, and I had the blind closed all the time. And I got up and I thought I must really open up the blind. And it was like the brightest and sunny. It was like I'd opened that. It was like I felt like I'd opened the blind inside Disneyland. You yes. know the kids are all outside. They're all music's playing. Birds tweeting. Yeah, the sun's shining. People are washing their cars. He "Cheese, what's going on out there?" Shut the blind again. Uh, <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old to friend. My, yeah, exactly. Back to the darkness. Uh, much happier in here. But yeah, so this is a this is this is gone. So yeah, so the band of you and the rise. I'm actually just reading this again. So what it's saying is that they were available up until last week. Ah, right. Okay. And uh, they've been pulled. However, some third-party retailers. Do have them in stock, but basically that. Oh, yeah. The end Why of it. would you buy one? Um, well, yeah, exactly. I'm really worried about
2: Amazon. I, I, I'm very yeah. nervous because the smart speaker, as we all know, we loved. It's really getting a bit ropey now. To use a technical term, mm. uh, there's so many times where it will not play a podcast. You ask it to play something, and it says, "Yep, playing," and it's silent. Same with um, radio um there's so many things so many times the wake word will stop working the service behind it the servers behind it really seem to be struggling now i don't know if that's to do with the the massive cuts they did to the team or it's to do with uh, lack of development and again that's probably related to the cuts in the team behind it but i think they need to be incredibly careful because that what they did with the Echo speaker is absolutely amazing. The way they got that so mainstream and in so many, it's part, part of the culture now, a smart speaker. You know, you have comedy sketches about it and everything. Everyone uh-huh. has one. You know, as soon as your parents get one or your grandparents get one, you know they've cracked it. They have got it sorted. they they really hit the mark on that. But that they could easily lose that and the way that i th- it feels i'm not saying they are but it feels like it's being neglected at the moment and as soon as that as soon as that smart speaker stops doing what you ask it people are just going to fall out of love with it i think they've got to be really really careful
1: well cnbc reported on wednesday last week that amazon began laying off employees in the cloud computing and human resource divisions uh so that's one aspect. But actually, the layoffs themselves are part of the previously announced job cuts that are expected to affect 9,000 employees, on top of another 18,000 job cuts that took place earlier this year and yeah. last November. The CEO, Andy Jassy, has been aggressively cutting costs across the company through layoffs, says CNBC, a corporate hiring freeze, and by ending some experimental projects. Now, that's an interesting turn of phrase, because... I, I don't know if Halo would be classed as one of those, but maybe it was. And I do I, I, you know what? I kind of think that makes sense because if we all remember the days back when Steve Jobs came back to Apple and remember all the products they were creating at the time? They were yeah. making their own printers. They were making their own uh-huh. monitors. They were making everything. And lots of different projects. And he just came in and said, right, enough. Enough. I put a line through it on the whiteboard. That was, no I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that was down to costs. I think he was looking into the future thinking this will become a problem. As opposed yeah, to it actually no, was a problem at the time, but this is yeah. this is a problem today, and this is indicative of. It's almost like this this corporate layoff thing that's going on, and it's happening across the tech industry. It's like it's happening across the world, is indicative of a big problem, but it's kind of overshadowed by the stories of AI. There's almost like the hope and the promise of what AI can deliver, on top of the reality that the companies that can implement Im- implement this stuff are, are kind of. You know, really cutting back. So, you know, how will this progress? How will this move forward? And actually, it kind of worries me. I can't remember the details. I think OpenAI has something like 150 staff. And there was a lot of talk around maybe there are times when we need to look at what the jobs are in these companies. What are people actually doing? And there were reports of people who said, you know, I didn't really do that much. I did some coding, did some this, did some that, but I wasn't really doing a huge amount of work. So maybe there's a question mark over how many people you actually need. I mean, remember when, when and we're going to talk, well, we did talk about this actually the weekend, the whole t- Twitter and Elon Musk, and, you know, how we talked about the fact that, you know, this was a guy who went in and basically slashed about 80% of his staff yeah, and got rid of them all, near enough, 20% left. And the thing continued. The, the social network continued. Now, you can argue the points as we did about whether that's good or bad, but the point is it did continue. And maybe there's a question mark over how many staff have been brought in during the good years, how many staff actually are needed. And you know what? I think there's a bigger accessibility side to this. Now, maybe not something the companies themselves think about, but I think it's something that should be thought about and should be part of this conversation. If there are huge layoffs, okay, that's bad. That, of course, is. No one wants to see anyone lose their job. But that's happening, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But if there's an argument that says less people equals better products, or at least allows for the continuation of the products in a maybe newer, more nimble, more you know smarter way, then arguably accessibility could benefit out of this, because then there can be more focus on it. There can be more focus on it. There could be, at least it would be easier to implement with 150 people, as opposed to thousands and thousands and thousands have to get it in their heads that this is part of what they do. And split into a hundred
2: different departments yeah. and divisions, products, and all working divisions, on their own separate exactly. products at different times. Yeah, I totally get that. But the, I, I think it Maybe all comes I down your straws. I don't know. No, but it, no, it, it does make sense. But it's all about. Of course, you've got the personal or emotional level of someone losing their employment, right? Yeah. Which is terrible of course, course, course everyone will recognize that but at the same time uh, the twitter is an example of why well, it's still running which is fine of course it's still running because basically it's a program on a server somewhere right and it, it of course it's going to still run as is until elon gets a,
1: an axe and because then they're oh, start yes. smashing the place <laughs> it's up
2: still but At some point, it does need maintenance. All these services will need maintaining, and you can't stand still either. You will need to implement new features. And when you implement new features, you need to, in our case, think about accessibility. Well, that's when you start. Have you got the team to do that? Or are we just basically, I'm leaving the computer on. It's running right now. We're all good. And I think it's the same. Going back to the Amazon thing, I think it's the same with that. They need to focus on their the, the most popular thing, which is the smart speaker and the shop, that's it. That's the most popular thing. And if they just leave it and let it run down, it's going to disappear and then there will be in trouble. So I I don't know. How, how did the workforce expand to that much that, that was unneeded in the first place? Is that irresponsible even to go
1: that far to give someone a job that really there's not much to do? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I suppose you think you need more developers, you bring more developers in, you're building new products, you're building, you're developing new things. But that's all contracted out, isn't it, surely? If you were going to do it that way? Not all of it, surely. Well, I mean, Hmm. don't get me wrong. I mean, there were a lot of contractors. I mean, we know more about Twitter because of what happened there. A lot of people were contractors. um, And, you know, they were told, you know, they would essentially be working on a freelance basis for Twitter, yeah. you know. So I'm sure that's the case across other companies as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just
2: it's, it's worrying times when I when I look at this. And not as I, I said, of course, from the personal level of someone losing their job. And it, these numbers, you just it's hard to wrap your mind around these sort of numbers of people all at once losing their jobs. Um, but from the services that uh, they're offering as well, I think they are being affected, and we're seeing that in in practical terms.
1: Mm. Um, now, Mark Zuckerberg, remember him? No. Nope. Uh, he uh, used to run this thing called Facebook, if you remember that. Ah, oh, uh, he's got an island. <laughs> <laughs> Just referring oh, back, back to the, to the, island, the island there,
2: in case anyone's uh, interested. i
1: not going to get it. It's not going to It's happen. still happening. It's not happening. Um, Meta, Meta sees an opportunity to introduce AI agents to billions of people in ways that will be useful and meaningful. The CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, told investors, according to The Verge, while he was vague about how exactly meta will add generative AI to its apps, can't say that word, Zuckerberg, not apps, uh, generative. uh, (laughs) Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, (laughs) He gave the most detailed preview yet during the company's earnings call for the first quarter of the year when it reported $28.6 billion in revenue Wow. And a record 2 billion daily users of the Facebook app, beating Wall Street's estimates. Meta's profit for the quarter was 5.7 billion, a 24% decrease from the same time last year. Still profit, though. Can we just remind people of that? Maybe might be a decrease, but still profit. That's a lot of profit as well. It said they're exploring chat experiences in WhatsApp and Messenger, visual creation tools for posts in Facebook and Instagram and ads, and over time, video and multimodal experiences as well. Okay, so look. First off, I've got to say this: Metaverse. What well, to that? I think I think exactly that's been shelved. What I, was I, I say. think that's been shelved. I think it's just a case of <laughs> the, the Metaverse is now just Mark Zuckerberg sitting at a bar listening to country music. That is it. That is the Metaverse now. Okay. there's no one else there no one is in the metaverse no one cares it's never going to take anything on there was millions lost on this project or at least spent on this project
2: well I mean just because not much talk is going on doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. But it does seem that we were, this is just around the corner, you know, the the, the webiverse and, and we're all going to be virtually shop. But everyone was so vague about it. And we kept trying to nail people down as to, okay, but in practical terms, how is this going to work? Well, it's going to be decentralized and, you, you know, there'll be a little almost like a, a virtual cyber village and you can how's that different just opening up your web browser and going to a website? Why is it better than that? And it's been so vague. Now, it could be what the case that, Well, yeah, but it could be the case. I mean, you try and explain any sort of future technology to anyone and people say, oh, I don't understand. How's that going to be better than what we've got now? It's not until you actually get it in your hands and try it and you think, ah, now I get it. So that could still happen. But their VR headset, which was meant to be the kickstart of all this, really was too expensive for the mainstream anyway. And, and it really doesn't it's not great
1: i get the so, feeling that tim cook right now is is you know hugging his knees under his desk <laughs> <laughs> saying why did we decide to get into vr now why now Have you seen that rumor as well about the
2: um the power delivery for the vr headset
1: and oh, the magnetic
2: charge the magnetic
1: like a, kind of a like magsafe type
2: thing yes proprietary
1: <laughs> yeah i know
2: I mean, you know, USB-C is more than capable to, to deliver, what is it, up to 100 watts or 95 watts well, of Well, the rumour is that
1: they'll be both. It'll have USB-C for data. Data, yeah. And then charging will come through the MagSafe, which, I mean, two, two, two cables attached to it. Two that makes cables. a lot of sense.
2: You would need to buy the battery to supply the power for a VR headset using a proprietary, another proprietary. After the EU just said, okay, no more lightning cable, everything's got to be USB-C, which makes utter sense. And then to come out with a new device, this is all rumour. Who knows if it's going to happen? I hope not. But if this does happen,
1: I mean, wow. Well, we've had Thunderbolt. We've had Lightning Cable. So next, uh, Light Drizzle Cable. That'll be the next one. (laughs) For Scotland only. (laughs) Scottish (laughs) Cables, Light Drizzle. Have you got a Light Drizzle Cable hanging about? Oh, Oh, there we are. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah, um, I don't know if I already plug in a cable called light drizzle. Anyway, um, but yes, yeah, so uh, apparently, of course, the, the thing here is with, with Zuckerberg's take on all this is that in particular with WhatsApp, for example, he says, once you light up the ability for tens of thousands or millions of AI agents acting on businesses behalf, uh, you'll see way more companies that can afford to have people engaging in chat. So, This has kind of been an ongoing conversation for many years. How can you improve the in-chat experience with, say, a a chat bot for a company? So you go to a company and you say, hey, I need help with this. And more often than not, you'll get, would you like to speak to an advisor? Or I've got no idea. Or why don't you buy this instead? Uh, And you're like, I just want to return this thing, you know? Um,
3: But if this this can be
2: improved, what? Can it? What, what, What do we all do when we get one of those systems? Please speak your data birth aloud. And what, what what are you calling us about today? We always just, you know, mash zero or the hash trying to get to I just no, want not, to speak I'm not talking, to someone. No, no, I'm not
1: talking about the calls. I'm talking about the chatbots. You go to these chatbots online. And yeah, I've, used them, always... I've used Amazon's one a few times. It's not bad, actually, but it doesn't always get to me where no, I need no, to get
2: to. No, no, no. They're all terrible. They are all... Have you yeah, okay, I'll,
1: I'll go with that. Yeah, they're not... You, they're not when you
2: happen. search, when you're trying to get a contact number for a company, I came across this the other day. I can't remember what it was for now absolutely impossible to find a number you go to contact us it's the it's the youth that's the problem you see the youth won't call people anymore they don't believe in phone calls it's so difficult to get the telephone number it's all you can talk to our live agent right now or tweet us at or whatsapp us and if you do any of that it's all bots and they are utterly useless they are just going through a faq absolutely right it is all bots
1: (laughs) oh god my heart skipped a beat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it depends because if you get a human on the end of it, sometimes you do. Then it's not too bad. Yes,
2: I agree. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's uh, you know th- this AI talk right now, and we're so impressed with it. And I still am. Do you think it would help in this situation though? I still think where AI is really impressing me in is in its ability. Did I say nearly in his? Wow! Oof. It in its ability humanising. No, for things like what what we're using it for at Be My Eyes or the Envision, Ask Envision, virtual volunteer for Be My Eyes, in in its functionality from helping out from an actual task. Now, when it comes to generic conversation and asking things, I don't know. I don't know if it's still good enough at this point. We still have those what they call hallucinations, which, by the way, is a ridiculous term. Mm. We still have those lots of mistakes that AI makes and just presents it as factual. Its confidence is sky high, yet its facts aren't even as good as a a, a Google search, an internet search. So I think there's still problems here. And saying that AI can now take over from human uh, interaction I, I I don't know. I think we're ahead of the game here.
1: Um, I think it will get better. Like everything else, it has to be taught. And I think once the capability is in there for a company to teach its own AI chatbot, you know, I, I keep coming back to a situation years ago where we were buying this house, not Double Tap Island. And um, it's going to happen. We were trying to get the mortgage and we had to get this specific type of mortgage, which the bank was absolutely certain did not exist. And I said, it is. I've read about it online. They're like, yeah, right. I just made it up. Honestly, check your (laughs) records on this. I'm not leaving till you do. And this woman came back with this book, right? Big, dusty book. You know, sort of opens it up on the table, (laughs) dust everywhere. Yes. (laughs) And she says, you know, some paragraph, bottom page 114. There was the information right there. Just that's amazing. I did not know that even existed. And we got what we wanted. But the interesting thing was, she had to go and find all that. Had the AI had all that information, it would have, you know, consumed all of this data, and all she would have to do is say, or we would say to the system, "We want this mortgage." So yeah, no problem. There you go. There is, and that's it. Then no, you know, that's that's the ultimate. That's the practical reality absolutely. of this, compared to someone saying, "No, we don't have that," or you know, I don't think there's any stock of that in the shop today. Well, could you go and check? Oh, no, I can't be bothered. As opposed to the AI that doesn't care less. (laughs) They'll happily run about all day and ask and and find things out for you. Absolutely agree with you.
2: In that point, absolutely perfect, right? But if someone's ringing a company, I think it, it goes beyond that. I think people will use this as a tool anyway. You should have this on your website. Ask your question here. Take over from those facts where you search and it just searches for a keyword in questions other people have asked. This is where AI will be fantastic. But when it comes to actually making a call and talking to a a company, I, 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 AI just it's – not, it's not capable enough. I don't think it ever will be. There, I've said it.
1: Well, there wow. you go. There you go. Um, Sorry. I am going to tell you that, you know, in June I am obviously looking forward to the Apple event, WWDC Worldwide Developer Conference. That is my I'm excited. Focus on June fifth. However, oh. there's something else in June that I am so excited about. I am so pleased is back. Oh. <sighs> Netflix has announced the sixth season of Black Mirror. We'll be back oh. in June.
2: Oh, I'm so excited too!
1: Oh, I love. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's like this is going to be the best June ever. Um, Yeah, I mean, there was rumor of a new season coming. We didn't know when, but now, yes, it has been uh, announced. A new teaser trailer shared on Wednesday uh, that it will uh, Wednesday last week reveals that the season will be out in June and features big art actors like uh, Aaron Paul. No idea. Kate Mara. She was. She was in. what was he? Oh, was that the guy from Breaking Bad? That was um, uh, um, Tinker. Tinker. Um, Jamie Tinker. I, actually, uh, I, I can't remember him. Yeah. yeah, him. And <laughs> I know nothing about TV shows other than just, I like them. Uh, Kate Mara, who was brilliant and rather stunning, if I'm allowed to say that. Oh. In, no, you In uh, House of Cards. I've not, uh, Never seen if that's, it. If that's who I think it is, yes. And Salma Hayek, who I know the name, but I don't know the person. So, sorry, I don't know who you are, but yes. Wasn't she
2: a voice in The Simpsons? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know who <laughs> is. Good to see we've done our research. Can we get AI in here, please?
1: <laughs> it's funny, right? Because people talk about actors and actresses like, you know, and I don't know who anybody is anymore. No, I, I know don't know so either. few people. It's like movies especially. I have to say, I'm probably more down with the TV shows than I am with the, with the movies. Because <laughs> they'll talk about actors, and I'm like, Who? Who's Kurt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, then I know who you're talking about. The only, uh, person, the only person I enjoy in a movie, honestly, and I can't wait for this either, is Ryan Reynolds. He's the only person who makes me laugh out loud. Oh, he's fantastic.
2: Did you see that news in the story recently? So we've got a football team over here in the UK oh, called yeah. Wrexham. Yeah, And it is just so bizarre because he's a big Hollywood A-lister. <laughs> and Wrexham is... I don't know the equivalent because I don't know sport, but if you think of you know, a really small. We
1: need to get Dave Brown in here to
2: we do, tell yes. us the
1: equivalent in Canada. <laughs> a really
2: small local hockey team or something. Yeah. You know, not even in the. Like the your top kids league. play on a Saturday. Yeah, that's right. That's what Wrexham kind of. Oh, sorry, Wrexham fans, but that's how. <laughs> that's but the image. put them on the
1: map, right? I mean.
2: Yeah. And he was over here because they got, um, I don't know, they won something. I don't know, sports. Um, yes, it, he, to me, I, I haven't seen this, but it seems to me
1: a little bit like real life Ted Lasso.
2: Yes, that's, that's what, what it feels, feels like to me. Yes, absolutely. But what a great guy. And, he, he did and of a, course,
1: Deadpool 3 coming soon. Ah, can wait. I I love, love it's Deadpool. funny because I was never into any of these movies. Is that Marvel? No. Like, I don't know which one it is. Yes. Is it the other one? Like, I don't know. No, it's but, Marvel. Uh, Marvel. I'm never into this stuff. And I don't, it was my dad actually who said, you, you should watch this. And I said, I don't think it'll... Be my cup of tea at all he said honestly it's a comedy really it's a comedy so that's it. and i thought well i like to laugh so i will put it on and i laughed my bottom off well done until the end uh, but anyway yes black mirror oh. which will be quite the opposite um netflix says it's the uh, this season will be the most unpredictable yet for the show the company is not saying why but a quote from Charlie Brooker, the show's creator, great guy, sheds a bit of light on what you can look forward to. He says, partly as a challenge and partly to keep things fresh for both both me and the viewer, I began this season by deliberately upending some of my own core assumptions about what to expect. Uh-huh. Consequently, this time, alongside some of the more familiar Black Mirror tropes, we've also got a new few new elements, including some i previously sworn blind the show would never do to stretch the parameters of what Black Mirror even is. The stories are all Tonally, Black Mirror, though, uh, through and through, but with some crazy swings and more variety than ever before. I cannot wait. Amazing. If you haven't
2: seen Black Mirror, definitely check it out. The AD is fantastic on it. And if you're into your tech, it really takes you, it it takes it to the extreme of where this could lead to and the problems. Kind of the discussion we're having on AI now, that was discussed in a a series ago.
1: If you've never watched Black Mirror, First off, you'll think it's a documentary now because it feels like that in some ways. There's so yes. many elements of it that are just so true to life. But it is um, it is such an incredible series, so rich and well worth checking out. Uh, listen, stick around because up next, we are going to be talking to the inventor of the Braille Doodle. It's uh, arriving on Kickstarter for the second time. We're going to talk about that and also the discussion around learning Braille as kids and as adults and the challenges of all that next here on Double Double
0: Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And email us feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show.
1: Now, there are worrying statistics from the National Federation of the Blind in the States which says that only 10% of children who are blind are learning Braille, which is a shockingly low number. Now, this is something that Daniel Lubiner and his company are hoping to correct through the invention of the Braille Doodle, an inexpensive device to help children who are at school who are blind learn Braille. Uh, He joined me this week to talk all about that and lots more. We get into quite an interesting discussion on the subject of Braille and learning as an adult and, of course, as a child. But we started off by finding out about his own origins with this particular device and how he got into this.
3: I was a teacher for 25 years. You know, I taught all kinds of kids, special education kids, uh, kids with autism, kids with learning disabilities. And then I started teaching at this school for the blind and low vision and I started teaching art. And I had kids from kindergarten, to first grade, second grade, all the way up to 21 years old. And it was just brilliant. I, I enjoyed it so much. And they inspired me really so much to start thinking about like what type of devices could they really use. And I I really get to care about my students a lot. Like (laughs) I love them and you get to really know them over the years. Um, And I found out that, you know, that only 10% of these kids are learning Braille. And, you know, before we started, we were talking about something like your story about being low vision. Uh, on the spectrum. Like that blindness is a spectrum and kids who are low vision often aren't getting Braille uh, instruction because they say, well, you can read the big print. You don't need the Braille instruction. And we don't have enough time and we don't have enough teachers to be teaching all these kids Braille. So I think that really puts a dent into, you know, I mean, that's part of the reason it's only 10%.
1: Well, that's right. And, and you know, so numbers are important, but context is even more important, right? So, you know, obviously, yes, we we can tell that the numbers have dropped considerably, but the question is why? And I think there's possibly two reasons for this. I think, like you say, like me growing up, you know, I was someone with low vision who Wasn't given the opportunity to learn Braille because I was told, like you say, you know, the audio was there or large print was there. So I had options instead of thinking about the longer term and what would happen if I did lose all my vision. Now, I didn't lose all of it, but I did lose enough to mean that I was essentially print disabled. I wasn't able to read any longer. And having Braille in my life would have made a real difference. So then I was starting to learn Braille late 30s, which is not great. As a child, you just you soak this up like a sponge. And, you know, as a child, you want to learn this. That's so, well, you maybe don't want to learn it, but you do learn it. You know, you actually does go in. That's the difference. But there's another side to this, and that is cost of equipment as well, right? And resources themselves, the teachers for visually impaired people. So the TVIs uh, or, or, you know, people who work in schools alongside children you know there just aren't as many the resources are less and that's another area right so you know i guess this is another reason why this device can really make a difference to
3: children that's right steve because you know that that was my thought all along is how can we like make this great impact into these actually ridiculous Prices that people charge for braille learning. So, what if I could make a device that could be mass produced, like a toy, but you know, so we could get the prices down for everybody? So, we started thinking like $70, 70 American dollars uh, a piece. Uh, if we could start it off like that. I know retailers someday, they're going to have to do what they have to do. But right now we're going to just try to get it out for $70 a piece. And that's unheard of in this space. And hopefully we could just get out as many as possible. And then it was just difficult getting enough money anyway to, to get it started, to get the development, to get the prototype. So I turned this into a non profit. So we founded a non profit and we're able to get donations and also we uh, we've set this up like a mission where everything is going to be circulating, whether we have revenue, you know, the revenue is gonna go back into the system and we'll be able to give these out to students uh who may not be able to afford it. I was teaching you know, loving it, art teacher, it was great. And then the pandemic hit and all my students went home and they didn't have anything. They had nothing to teach, you know, for art. They had nothing for Braille. So, you know, this really was like a magnifying lens of what the problem is, you know. But imagine like going through remote instruction and trying to teach a blind kid Braille over the internet. It's just impossible if they don't have something. So I designed the Braille Doodle so you could take it out of the box and start learning. You could take it out of the box and start feeling Braille and creating Braille because when you have that success, you have that modeling, you have that practice right out of the box. It's going to invigorate kids to keep learning and want to keep learning.
1: So are you you suggesting that this, this product essentially was a child of the pandemic, really?
3: Yes. Yes, it was. So a lot of horrible things happened during the pandemic, but this was one good thing that came out of it was the fact that, number one, you know, it came to me because I could not teach and the frustration behind that. And that's when I really started learning about these statistics, you know, where uh, 16% graduate college, you know, there's not even that many people graduate college or grad school, you know, and it all starts out. And that's 70%, 80% people unemployed. Where is that all coming from? You know? And I believe literacy has a lot to do with it. If we said we're not going to teach, okay, oh, there's a pandemic and we can't teach reading right now. You know, there would be riots in the streets. Yeah. Or what if we said, oh, we can't teach reading to about 80, 90% of the kids. You know, we just don't have enough teachers right now. I mean, how would people handle that? But that's exactly what we're doing to blind and low vision children.
1: And let's discuss why. Because oftentimes the why is forgotten in that. And I think it's because, just from my own experience, the low expectations of people out there is almost as low as my vision level. It is just on the floor in terms of the expectations people have about a child who is blind. I was at school in the 90s and I was being told then, learn to type because the best you'll ever be is a secretary, an admin person, an administrator. That is that is essentially the, the height of your career. And that was at a time when, okay, technology wasn't quite as advanced as it was, but it certainly wasn't, you know, we weren't sitting there with, you know, a slate and, and chalk, you know, we had some, you know, some technology around. But again, it was the attitude that was the problem. The attitude was well you you can't amount to anything. What else could you do?
3: Right. So, you know, we'll just take care of you. We'll give you, you know, mm-hmm. monthly checks and yep. stuff like that and, or if we're going to, you know, do employment like there's all all these employment initiatives, you know, it's about like answering phones or um
1: which by the way <laughs> is a fine job and you know, I'm not no, knocking no, it no, no, at all, <laughs> but but it's not. It's not the. That is not the ceiling for anybody. Frankly, it shouldn't be the ceiling for anybody. We wouldn't expect it of the person who is answering the phones. We would. We would say in any company, the person who answers the phone today could potentially be the CEO tomorrow. When a blind person does do well, you know, and Stevie Wonder is a great example of this, right? Everyone always points to. Well, you know, Stevie Wonder managed it, but it's almost as if it was a fluke. You know, that just, that just happened by chance. Not that he's got any talent and skill and, you know, capability to fight through what I'm sure he had to fight through to get to where he got to. It was just a chance. It was just people being nice. I
3: shook his hand, Stephen, about a month ago. Yeah. It was so exciting. I was like, oh my God, I've been a (laughs) fan since I was a child. (laughs) I, I just think literacy is so important and access to mathematics and science. There is nothing out there, Stephen, that I have found that where you can manipulate graphs, okay, you can't take a graph, a bar graph, and just say, okay, there's 10 cows, three horses, five pigs, and then the horses have 10 babies. So what's the graph now? And when I do that with a student, like I'm testing it now, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is great.
1: I, I can tell you my experience of this, right? I was—I remember being in class, and I remember my teacher saying to me, don't worry about this. We'll just mark you as having passed. Don't worry about having to try it because you won't manage it anyway. I remember being told that. And, you know, there was no effort made, even by people around me who, you know, I was lucky to be in a school that did have some some support for visually impaired children like me, but honestly, even they could only go so far in their in their understanding of this, and, and almost almost a sense of this is just too much for you, so don't even bother. And you know, right. as a kid, your reaction to that is, "Hey, I don't have to do any work today. Brilliant, great'll I can handle that. You know, as a forty year old adult, I'm sitting here thinking, "No way. Teach me everything. That's the difference, you know. Of course, you can't see that as a child. You have to have cho- you have to have adults advocating for you. That's the thing. And you know, unfortunately, you know, at that time, no one really knew what the answer was. Today, I feel that would be very different. But you bring up such an important point here about this, the science and the maths side of this, because, like you say, there are not much. There's not much technology out there that's that's kind of covering that area, especially in education for children. Um, And this is an area which, of course, is growing in terms of jobs and, you know, frankly, you know, science and maths is is a major player going into the the world that now exists, you know, especially around coding and development of all this new technology we're seeing. lots of job opportunities there, and there's no reason why blind people couldn't be involved and and take part in those roles. So this is actually really key. Um, And it seems that you've really got your finger on the pulse here of what the education market really needs? What kind of reaction are you getting from people around the world on this?
3: So far, it's been absolutely wonderful. I mean, parents and teachers, uh, you know, have (laughs) been a little gaga over this because, you know, I just tried to take something that sometimes it's made complicated um, and make it kind of simple to follow and, uh, and the price point, you know, so instead of buying one for the class, maybe you could buy five for the class or one for each student. Um, you know, so, uh, it, it is getting very exciting. Like a a person at, uh, Australia in Australia has, you know, pre-ordered 40 of them. And somebody over here in America has pre-ordered 25. And another person has donated 40 of them. And this is just, you know, by my descriptions of the prototype and the, you know, people experiencing the prototype, because I can't get the prototype around everywhere. Everybody wants to, you know, experience a prototype. But we're going to get there. I, I really think this is this is a good launching spot. Uh, we tried to have a Kickstarter starting in February, but just a lot of things went wrong and the video didn't go on and the thing didn't go on on time. So we're launching again uh, a Kickstarter to get this off the ground because it's really the next hump is a big hump. You know, we did the we did the uh, prototype. We did the design. We redesigned the design until it's just <laughs> ideal. But now, to go to manufacturing, uh, we're going to need sixty to one hundred thousand dollars. So, we're going on Kickstarter to get this out there and also have people do these pre-orders, so we could. But I think we could send this through the roof if we do it right. Uh, we're starting a new Kickstarter where you can pre-order it and have it mailed to you in England, India, Australia, wherever you need it.
1: I wonder about your thoughts on this being a tool for not just children, but for adult learners too. Because there is a market there as well, I believe. And there's lots of us who, you know, (laughs) were perhaps failed by our schools, but still want to learn in later life. And often it feels like, a lot of the Braille learning tools we hear about are aimed at children, which is great, and I'm all for that. But you know, I kind of wonder if there's any opportunity for, for us adults to, to get in on some of this action as well.
3: Absolutely, Stephen. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, the foundation, you know, with the concentration on the children is just so we could focus on something, you know, where everybody could say, oh, we have to. We have to help the children, et cetera, you know, but we're really hoping to expand this out to anybody who could use it. And adults and adult learners have been very excited about it because the braille uh, on the device is quite large. It's, you know, like extra jumbo size braille. And then it gets a little smaller, like jumbo size braille. And, then you could work your way down. Um, so it's really be good for adult learners who have lost some of the sense in their fingers, or and you know the the other thing is it's just fun. You know, you just pull it up, put it down. You know, I'm having fun learning the Braille letters, and it's 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 just an enjoyable thing. So it's not like st- you know they give out these things it's like one block of wood with a uh, pegs you know and you learn each letter at a time or you have a series of five or six letters where you could put together a word but that's not how we teach reading right we teach reading by teaching the letter and the sound and then combinations of letters into words like cat fat and then we go right into sentences the fat cat sat the fat cat sat on a mat you know it's it's not like one letter at a time so yes uh, I went off on a little tangent but we're hoping this will be good for many people
1: the, the problem with uh, today's political correct world is that you know it would have to be the horizontally challenged cat which you know means you need to learn a lot of letters before you can use that sentence oh. <laughs> Yes,
3: definitely. Um, <laughs> It's a challenge, God. The uh, <laughs> it's not it's not a very. It's just weight challenge. Weight uh, challenge.
1: Yes, <laughs> I know the feeling. Um, but I, I want to ask you about um, about the international factor here, because of course here in the West, you know, I'm in the UK. You're in the US. We're broadcasting in Canada. You know, in these countries. We have an abundance of technology despite, of course, declining resources, which is another issue and all the rest of it. But we do have already a ton of resources available to us. But there are many parts of the world that don't. You mentioned India, for example, and Africa. I think about Africa as well and other parts mm-hmm. of the world that just do not have as much access to the kind of tech and resources that we do in the West. And I think that, you know, something like this, I'm guessing in your mind, it can be universal because if we can get that price down, then you can make it more available to more people internationally. So countries like Africa, people in Africa can actually benefit from this too and can also learn.
3: Absolutely, Stephen. And that's a, another really exciting thing is like, um, you know, because it's a nonprofit and tries to set up like a nonprofit, you know, it would be great to have people step in or different organizations step in and say, okay, so I'm going to buy 100 uh, to give out. And you could even do that on the Kickstarter. You could just tell me that you want to donate 100 to South Africa, um, for example. But another uh, very exciting thing, Stephen, that I hadn't mentioned yet, because there's so many exciting things... (laughs) <laughs> Another thing is that you can put covers on the back, so where there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, of balls, you put a cover on it, and you could teach Braille in any language. So I could put a cover on it and say, "Okay, well here's a presentation of Braille in Hindi. Here's a presentation of Braille in Swahili." Or Chinese or Japanese, so then on one side they would have the American version, and on the other they would have the version in their own language.
1: Because again, not everyone in the world speaks English, right? So you want to have <laughs> options out there,
3: yeah? Yeah. So it's and, and it's really cool to learn about how uh, different countries have used these this six dot system in their own languages you know all, all of them have adapted it to uh, to their own needs so we'll be able to teach that to young children or adults <laughs> in these different areas of the world i'm a bit of a dreamer yes and i kind of really hope to see this like really blow up and get all over the world um 56 years old this is like a new totally new venture for me to go into at at 56, but, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that I see this, uh, this take off because, you know, I, I think it is really wonderful. I, I kind of say like, it's, it's too good to have come from me. You know, I know it's come (laughs) from the souls of my kids and, you know, I, higher power thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, wow, this is this is just too much.
1: <laughs> well, a lot of children are going to be thanking you for this. And, you know, I have to say, I wish something like this was around when I was learning uh, and growing up, because again, it would have made it possible. And I hope we can shine a light on it for people so that, you know, we know we, we have many people around the world who listen to this show in all very different, you know, jobs and roles, uh, sighted, blind, everyone. So, you know, we're very, you know, keen to push this message out and I am as as I said to you before we started talking here um, you know I, I am a strong strong advocate for children who are low vision and blind to learn braille at school let's get that number up from 10% that's just too low it's not good enough and it has to change it has to be improved upon and we need to figure out the answers, the the other problems but you know technology like this can be a a major part of it. So I uh, thank you for what you've done, Daniel. I'm sure many others will too. Uh, Daniel, thanks for coming on to Double Tap.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's a pleasure getting to know you too.
1: And if you want to know more about the product, then do check out our show notes. You can find them uh, if you've been listening on the podcast. You can find them on your podcast app. If you're listening on AMI audio, you can go to our website, ami.ca, search for double tap and uh, check out the audio show where you'll find all the notes for all our previous episodes. Uh, That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening
0: and we'll be back tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI TV every Tuesday at 8pm Eastern or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes